Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Genlock, which we'll be getting into right now. I'm Andy Potter, and today I'm joined by Beatrice Murad. Hello. Alex Bonilla. Hola. And John McKenna. Hi, everybody. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the seventh episode of Genlock, It Never Rains. Uh, it is kind of just a... It really feels like a penultimate episode, I'll say that. It feels like we are building up to what's going to happen in the finale, and we get a little bit more exposition, there's some funny moments, but it's not. Re- it's probably the one of the slower episodes of this, sh- this season. There's not a big fight or anything, uh, but we'll get into that in just a second, because you can find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can, su- you can subscribe to us on iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes, or on YouTube at YouTube.com slash OverlyAnimated. So... Beatrice, this is like our kind of bridge into the finale. How did you like this episode? I mean, it's it's one of those episodes where if I were binging this show, I wouldn't have any problem with it. And I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It's just um, it's not the strongest, but it's still necessary. You know, it's kind yeah. of uh, we did need like a down, uh, an episode to kind of breathe a little bit. And we do, we did need to get them from point A to point B. And I, we, you know, it, it, it did it in the quickest way it could. Um, and we know that there's a big episode later. Um, I don't know, maybe they could have, inc- maybe they could have done a little bit more. They could have had a little bit more fun this episode in terms of not the characters, but the writers maybe could have done yeah. something more creative. Um, and made it still entertaining because I feel like the third, third the last third of the episode where it just gets to very basically all of them just in one room sitting down and talking it wasn't at it doesn't have like the energy that say previous episodes maybe have had with it um but but you know it's 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 still good like it's it's not it's not poorly done i think it just maybe it could have been more it's just not in comparison to other episodes it just doesn't hold up as strongly yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Um, Alex, how did you like this episode? Well, this is the episode that has, like, 15 seconds of fighting, and the rest is all character stuff, so this is obviously the best episode of Genlock, guys. <laughs> like, this is has everything... Yeah, this has everything that I want out of Genlock. It has... It opens with some Val Kazut uh, conversation, uh, deep thoughts about getting into people's minds. We get into Chase Yaz's relationship that we haven't really touched upon up until now. We get the introduction of a whole new setting to replace our Anvil talk. We get an... Uh, uh, we get a, a, an emotional moment with uh, with the uh, Doctor Weller surprise. We get a, a new like mystery character that might be a, a shady, probably shady, yep. but who knows how shady. And like, it, and there's jokes str- sprinkled throughout the entire episode. So like for me, like it, I uh, at least I get the like people want fight sequences and all, but like to me, this is like all the best elements of Genlock condensed into, yeah. into the episode. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think that maybe from an ob- objective standpoint, it's probably not the best because it's folk. It, it probably, there's probably other episodes that have done better at like hitting emotional beats. But I just think that at least for me, it was very enjoyable to see them finally focus for a full episode on just characters. Yeah. And yeah. just to clarify, I didn't say it was bad because it didn't have a fight scene. Just to clarify. No, I, I, I heard yeah. Beatrice. Don't worry. Uh, John. Um, 
this felt like a transition episode, which I'm actually kind of fine with, though I wouldn't say this is one of the better ones. I do agree with Alex. There were some great character moments between uh, say, between Chase and Yaz. There were some good costume moments. There were great cami moments. Uh, I think for me, it was it was sort of good to have this episode because we just had a really high impact. Uh, four, five, six were pretty high impact. It's nice to sort of maybe take a deep breath and advance the show a little bit. We're now into the the art art rtsa area they're they upgrade they gave themselves a haul a haul on upgrade which is fantastic and i do think that this was needed after last week it if just like beatrice said if i was binging this i went it, it, it would probably hold up a little bit better i did like it on the second viewing though to be perfectly honest i appreciated it a little bit more there were some moments i wasn't too much some moments i wasn't too much of a fan of and we could probably get to those later but it's a fine episode i probably wouldn't put this in the top half though okay cool um i like this episode i don't i'm a little lower on it than alex but i think I'm a little higher than it than you beatrice i like this episode pretty a lot i like that we're um focusing on chase i do like that we're focusing on our characters in general there was a lot of funny moments i think david Tennant's character was probably the funniest he's been all season in this episode oh yeah which was lies <laughs> i we... agree i agree with alex i'm like i i don't know if i'm feeling uh caliban oh i love well, caliban I, I i love caliban but that's implying that david Tennant before wasn't as funny yeah I disagree yeah with. i don't know i liked i i felt like this felt more genuine the humor here like with with weller i i, I don't know i it we can talk about it a little bit later but yeah, i yeah. i think I like the humor here with Caliban, but um, I liked what happened here. I think it makes sense that we had a, like essentially a full episode fight scene last episode, so now we have a full episode of not fight scene. It makes that makes sense to me. Uh, and and we did need a little cool down after that. I did question some of the science happening, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there because it's a stupid mech show. Um, and Cami continues to be the most pure and precious thing ever <laughs> and i want to protect her uh also i think that we didn't really we still have not really dug into kazu's history and i'm afraid we're not going to do it this season at all yeah i mean i got excited for the briefest yeah. moment in the beginning because in the beginning you hear you don't see who's playing the guitar but you do hear a guitar so i was like oh is this like the musical cue or we're about to start getting into the kazu episode but no that didn't happen but we did we 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 touched we on got, it we oh, got we yeah. got yeah we did get not to say that we didn't get anything about kazu i mean we got a little bit of everybody to be honest like even by the end we got a little bit of everybody but um the kazu centric episode it feels like kazu is a character we're going to delve into next season that's yeah. what it feels mm. like because we have not really investigated what is going on with him and it feels like there is a lot more that's being yeah. hidden from us and and even and even when they did those little character introductions with uh i have, I have his name written down here um with mark holcroft it it's it sort of felt like kazu's was the shortest and really not the most in-depth of them so yeah, maybe Hol- they are yeah i agree it's it, it felt like there was it feels like they're writing very specifically to not tell us what he, who he is. They're mm-hmm. hiding something from us, the audience. Um, and before we move on to that, because we introduced Mark Tallcroft, that is actually voiced by the CEO of uh, Rooster Teeth, Matt Hollum, which is interesting because this is the CEO of this company here. So the, the head, so basically the head investor plays the head investor. Yeah, essentially. So, uh, so does does that affect the chances of him being like a villain? Him being, then, a, him being a, wait, 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 which thing does it affect? No, like, chances of 
Hallcroft being a villain. That he's voiced by this person? By, that he's voiced by the figure, the basically his counterpart at Rooster Teeth. I don't know, because I'll say this much. Despite him being the CEO, he is very much involved in like the productions. He is in their live action stuff. Like He's an actor, too. Like, okay, he, okay. So he would be like cool for being like, okay, anything. we're gonna even yeah, no, though no, he's no, no, like, no, no. He's okay. been in all their stuff. Like he's fine doing anything. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, it, it's just interesting based on what it is. But <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking about the end of the episode here. Um, I don't think there's any like big story here. Like I think we can just kind of go through the episode beat by beat really quick and just talk about how we feel because there's not a lot like of crazy philosophy stuff going on here this episode, which is yeah. I think there's a little bit with Chase a little bit later, but on the surface, there's not as much as previous episodes, which I am fine with. It's okay to have a couple episodes of Breather here before we get to the big stuff. Um, so at the beginning of this episode, we are following our Hanlo- our Genlock team running away from the Anvil because they were attacked the last episode. And they're trying to decide where to go. And they are every time they think they're safe, they're, they're attacked. It's very similar to the Chase from Avatar. Uh, yeah. They just cannot get away from the Union. And after a brief moment of, like, and we have this introductory scene inside the cockpit of this ship, and we, like we mentioned earlier, uh, Val is playing the guitar, and they, and, uh, Chase storms out. This scene was pretty much just, I think, like, the setup scene, but I think it does a really good job of showing how divided our team is, and divides them more and more as the conversation goes on. And I think the most interesting thing is that the people most in control, it appears, are Cammy and Yaz. They're the mm-hmm. ones that are kind of keeping everyone's steady which is interesting to me uh beatrice did you like how do you like this scene what i like about it is that it kind of shows us the versions of these characters that were first introduced to us right so like valentina her immediate well their immediate um response is well we can just you know give up we won't fight anymore you know we'll just find a bar we'll you know relax and wait until they find us if they find us and it's just kind of really interesting how, you know, how it just kind of shows that together they improve themselves. Like they're better when they're together, like they're better versions of themselves when they're together. But when they're like at the moment, like at the moment when there's this threat of like, okay, well now it's over. They kind of revert back. Like, and there's like this threat of like, well, what now? We're probably going to split up. There is like, they do revert back to who they used to be. I don't know. Just, I, I liked that in terms of just like, we see, um, like when, how they react when they're in like at bottom and who yeah. it is that kind of picks them up. When, um, when, when, when they had this support system, this group of people at the anvil, they felt like they could do something different than their normal way of acting. But yeah. now that they're alone, it's just like, why are we even trying anymore? Yeah. And it just kind of, everyone kind of goes back to who they used to yeah. be. And it's just, that's to me really interesting. And it feels um, very real. It feels very real. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it, they go, it's like, they go back to their old habits, habits yeah. that they were breaking, that they were breaking. They revert back to them, which again, it's, it's say in like season three, if they hit another rock bottom, maybe they were going to see like a parallel to this scene and yeah. how they respond I, to it. I do think it's interesting because this is a very tropey scene. I don't think it's very like, it's not like this big crazy like creative thing but it's like very well done it's very i very it's very believable it's it hits home the correct way and i think and that is very commendable like not everything needs to be this whole new delving into a different kind of thing that hasn't been done before like just hitting tropes correctly can be done really well and it, i think this trope is hit well alex I, oh sorry go and, ahead. And, and, well 
I was, I was going to say that I liked the fact that it was Cammy and Yaz that were holding the team together specifically because in because neither of them really because they were both sort still really in character though Cammy uh, Cammy was you know sort of she's still the goofball and all that but she brought a lot of levity to what would otherwise be a very dark scene and Yaz continues to be the straight man you know being the the one who's comforting Chase and doing all that so having those two characters sort of on opposite sides hold, kind of holding the group together I thought. It really did work very well. And the fact you can get a chuckle out of Cam- the fact that Cammy was providing some really great lines during that whole thing uh, made it all the better, too. Yeah. Sorry, Alex, we cut you off. What were you saying? Well, well, I was just going to say that uh, what stands out to me is just uh, well, the whole conversation of like Kazu being very insecure about sharing his past. Like that's things that we've that we've theorized about and talked about before. But like th- I think that this is the first time the show has come out and say it. So like I think it's just a matter of the the show doing uh already doing its work in setting that up. And so now when it, it when it comes out here in this conversation and words like it's not as surprising but i guess that you can you can say that that's also a matter of like them just building it up sufficiently for where this is a this is a meaningful moment that kazu is now open to the point of admitting that he's afraid of letting people know his past sort of thing and it's precipitated by the fact that it looked like val learned how to play the guitar and it's not because she learned how to play it's because she was in kazu's mind and picked it up from him so she's kind of in a sense uh, copying his, one of his memories, in a sense. And she's seeing his memories. She remembered, she specifically re- referenced remembering learning while and playing guitar on a roof in Shin- Shinjuku. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. yeah and that's, yeah. and that, I was like, that's not Russian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nope. That is a, she def, it, it's very interesting. That's it's Tokyo. An, it, yep. It, it's very interesting that, um, it, it's an interesting snag in this mind melding thing because it, Cammy never mentioned anything about Russia after speaking Russian, like, other than speaking Russian. But that was during the mind meld. This is something post-mind meld where Val is knows something, which is very interesting. I, we, I, I'm i interested to see where we go with this, mm. if it's going to have an effect on people in later seasons. And it's a completely legitimate moral question to have, though, because when you are melding minds and you can actually take a memory, Kazu's, I think, is right to be worried, because if you can take learning how to play the guitar in someone's mind what else is there for and, the taking and there's the further question of identity there because if you take too many memories are you yourself or like it it, it drags out the it, it further drags out this question of who is anybody if like everyone's memory is all jumbled up if yeah. uh if val takes too many of kazu's memories is are they val anymore or are they val a, a weird combination of val and kazu now yeah i mean but i also find what's interesting that you and we mentioned this in a previous pod where you you aren't pre- presenting one right option right no. so you have you have Kazu being in having all the right to feel trepidation but then you have Kami on the other end being like if you're like I don't you can look all into my head and I'm completely <laughs> fine with it so which also fits into kind of the whole whole like ha- like white hat hacker kind of mentality in terms of like information all information is good you know so yeah. kind of that also adds into her into what she's done in the past and her philosophy i guess so um, i also find that really interesting kind of yeah. th- that yes we are presented with like kazu being like more uh th- doesn't maybe not necessarily wanting to share things but we also are given someone who does and, and, and it's very it. and it's very successful at not telling us who is right 
Yeah, so like saying, it doesn't have to tell us no. who's right. And that's you know? good. I really like that we're keeping in this very, we're very carefully walking along this line of these people are, have, have their right to their opinion here, but it's also not, it doesn't feel forced or drawn out. Like this is just how it is. And that's good. I like that a lot. Uh, but at the same time, we also have this thing where Yaz and Chase still haven't mind melded and I think this episode really emphasizes that Yaz feels a lot of emotions towards Chase. That yeah, it's she does. Possibly, possibly romantic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got a feeling for it. In I think it was in the previous episode when she was like the whole ba- banter, not banter, but like the whole line, plot of that her being like, we need you here. Like, like you need to like not she didn't say clearly like you need to like go, but she was kind of pitying herself like. She wanted, like, the whole, like, she wanted to open up to him. He wasn't. Yep. And I had read that as charged, but then I was like, maybe not. Maybe I'm just looking into it. So the feeling of seeing it now, and it's like, oh, no, she really, really cares about Chase. It's yeah. like, oh, but, so, so, we so need what, a new ship name. We need a new ship name. Uh, Isn't it Golden Cloak, or is that? That that no, sounds like Yaz and Val, yeah. That's Vaz and Val. Yeah. Uh, okay, Chase and Yaz, Chase and Yaz, Chase and Yaz. We'll figure it out by the end. Yeah, you okay. Plums and cherries, we've figured it out before. <laughs> you figured it out before. Yeah, has, I don't know if that's stuck yet. but It, <laughs> yeah. it will it, stick. I saw at least one other person using it, so... I, did you? I saw nobody else using it. It's someone on our Discord when she, well, finished, her, when she finished her thing. Whatever. Who, John, were you trying to say something about this? Um, no, I was going to mention, like, uh, Cammy had maybe the, in that scene we mentioned, Cammy had the mic drop of, of, of the episode. Kaz was like, what would happen if you saw a mind you didn't remember? And Cammy's just like, well, I'd feel pretty bad that your mind exploded from learning about a 17-year-old girl. I got no shame. I was like, Cammy, I love you. <laughs> that was great. I think that was one of Cammy's weaker jokes, honestly. I think that was, I don't know. I feel like I think the Star Wars joke is the better one. Well, I think this is just an indication of how strong an episode it was for Cammy that that can be considered a weaker line. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Cammy had a really great episode. Oh yeah. Um, I but going back to the Yaz and Chase relationship Mm because I'm kind of in the camp that I hope that this is a friendship, not because I don't want them together, but because I think it'd be really great to show just how caring you can be for a friend. I think that's right. Missed out. Right. Like I. I can see this as a like a real thing that a friend would do for a friend. Yaz realized Chase needs help, and she's just trying to be there as a friend. And I don't think there needs to be a romance there. There um, doesn't. There doesn't. Right, and no. also, there absolutely doesn't. And I mean, and if they did go that route, we'd be stuck in a love triangle, which is never yeah, it's like not as good. not all people love to love triangles. So, um. It, you're absolutely at this point like it it can all still be read as friendship and yep. and it and it it would still be if anything it would be more exciting for it because we usually are taught to read this as romantic yes but still i will say this is one of the better let up romantic romantic relationships that one of the better ones that i believe in because like there's been like body language and um attempts to 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 touch you know what I mean like just to like touch shoulders and stuff even though one's a hologram like it feels built up to to me instead yeah. of just like they're just gonna go in for a kiss or something which is nice mm. like there's been little thing little ticks and stuff throughout the show and but it just it's just with how closed minded Chase is it doesn't feel like they ever got emotionally invested as a couple should be because oh Chase, no, totally oh, no. like he, yeah, he has yet. 
Not yeah. yet. No, yeah. He totally has. But, I mean, it's it's interesting because you have these two people. They were the first two. Yeah, so they, so they were, clearly spent was, time together. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. they've had to spend time together. They They know each other and have gone through things that the other three haven't yet. And have experienced things. So it, it's it, this is a relationship, whatever sense of that word relationship you want to use, it's a relationship that I really do hope we start delving more into in later seasons or start seeing like how much they actually did rely on each other. And, you know, Chase, I, it, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it makes sense for him to have a wall because suddenly he's given his old life back. And it's like, oh, I'm excited because I get to like get back to this. And it's like pushing her away seems like a very human reaction. Yeah. To wanting in his desperation of wanting to get back to who he once was. So it's also like, I don't know, like it's a, it's an interesting, um, they've set the stage for a really interesting kind of drama there. Yeah, they really did. It's, it's, and I don't know, this show is just really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really shocked by how good it is that it just keeps getting gooder. Better? It's getting gooder. Yeah. No, I, I like gooder. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, anyone else have anything to say about this scene before we move on? Well, which specific scene? Because, like, this relationship thing kind of spans the whole Just, episode. Uh, yeah. before, before we lead into Chase flying away in the Holon. No. Okay. Because right at this point, we have Chase enter the Holon as he, like, storms out. Like, he's done with this argument. And he... And then the Union find them, which we find out is because something with the Genlock stuff. So apparently when they're on, when they're in the Holon's, uh, other chase nemesis can find them. I'm not sure how that works. Well, they say that they mentioned in previous episodes that nemesis is always uploaded into Genlock. Like they never take him out of that system. Hmm. So it makes sense that if he's a Genlock Holon, so like when other Genlock Holons are active, so like now he has, he's just on the same system. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he's mentioned before that he's like, for instance, he told Cammy that he's been hearing her since her, her, since her birthday. Yeah. Which also, which suggests second birthday and all that. So it's like, it makes sense. It, they've laid the groundwork for it. Yeah. Um, I've anything, my biggest critique of the episode was that, that that was so obvious. Oh, like, okay. I was like, of course, I was like, of course he can, like, that, like, of course it's Chase is the one that's linking him. Like, I thought it was much more of a direct link to, to Chase. Oh, okay. But, um, but, but then they're like, no, it's just when you're uploaded to Genlock. And I'm like, by that point, I didn't need to be sold of that. I, I didn't need to be science. sold either. I believed it. I, I believed it. I was just confused by the words that Cammy was using when she described it, I guess. <laughs> but um, I think, but before we move on to that, uh, was anyone else really lost when Chase and the Nemesis were talking? Because it was really hard to understand them sometimes. I, u- I used subtitles. I uh, used... Okay. Less yeah. than usual. Interesting. Uh, more, more than you, more than usual I for mean, me. <laughs> it was just like an argument. They were just discussing what was right and stuff like that, and copies and stuff. Like it was nothing like too big, but it was still, it's still kind of annoying how hard it is to understand them when they're in the Holons. I think that's a yeah. fault. Of, I at I, this point, go ahead. I actually, I actually had an easier time understanding it because I could actually make out some of the words on on first go. It was less garbled. But but the problem uh, for me was it was less garbled, but it was like I couldn't tell which one was Chase and which one was Nemesis sometimes because they were using the same voice, just slightly different filters, and mm. so. 
And I, like you, you get single words, but you yeah. don't get the full sentence. So like I got in my initial notes, I had cry, sleep. So I was like, okay, so it's something to do with humans. And then later I go on to Reddit. It's like, are you still human if you can't cry or sleep or dream? Yeah. So like that's a meaningful line, but in in the in the process of the episode when you're watching it, you don't get the hit because you're spending too much effort trying to decipher the words. Yeah, and it's it's hard to say this is a fault of. I, I don't want to say this is a fault of the show, like, or this is like a, a just, like bad decision. It's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know it's, how. It's a choice. Yeah, it's, I just don't know how you, how else you would do it. You know what I mean? I, like, I don't know what you would do instead of this. I think I know. Like, I know what they're going for. They're going for the idea that since this is like a altered, hackneyed uh, version of uh, Chase that's in union control, it wouldn't be as clean as it would. Sort of like well, how yeah. you'd be playing a, a pirated, like if you're playing p- a pirated version of Pokemon Shield, it would probably look really messy compared to just going out to the, going out to GameStop and buying it yourself. Uh, but I think it's the right idea. It's execution is just a little off because if you can't, if, because if the viewer is, listener is struggling to understand what they're saying, absent subtitles, which Verve still can't yeah. put out for some reason. Um, that's not Rich Cheek's fault. That's probably Burr's fault. And it's saying something meaningful that actually adds a dynamic. That is an issue. But it, that that's my point, though. My point is that it is adding meaningful stuff, and it isn't understandable by a large portion. Like, I don't think we're alone in these complaints. I think – I'm pretty sure the fandom also has – maybe complain is too strong a word – has also noted that it's hard to understand him. And it shouldn't be necessary for the viewer to have to – search yeah. for subtitles to understand it like it, it sucks that verb doesn't have subtitles but they shouldn't even have to look for them it's and again i'm saying this knowing i don't know how you do this differently while also getting across well, the same they thing. Can give them a, a deeper voice like, like you could just do a normal uh, like uh, just the, do the same, same voice chase just deeper yeah, I mean, the, as long as there's a differentiation, like, I, I I get the idea behind making it garbled, but you can do other ways of, of changing voices yeah. besides that. Or, yeah. maybe just keep, or maybe just keep it, like, robotic with just, like, a shifting, just, like, very sharp shifting um tones rather than trying to introduce, like, that staticky. The staticky stuff is what makes it really hard. Yeah. But it's, um... I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go through this whole thing for a while, like talking about what, what could be different. But I just, well, I just, I just want to note that I think this is maybe one little stain on an otherwise really great show. Like this is like a, we're nitpicking here, is what I'm trying hmm. to get at. This is a nitpick because we get. So I think even if you don't understand the exact words that are being said, you get the message at least. You get the idea that Chase right, is right. talking to Nemesis. Nemesis is this really wants Chase dead, and Chase obviously doesn't want to be dead. And at least you get that. But it's unfortunate that the exact word, it's like the line you read out, you can't always hear them clearly. And right. And like yeah. that, that adds a little bit to Nemesis's, like it's just yeah. beginning to shift away here. Like that, that adds a little bit to Nemesis's um, point of view in dealing with Chase because not only is he trying to k- kill him, but like in the meantime, he's also like trying to make him doubt his own existence or like yeah. trying to convince the, uh, our version of Chase that Nemesis is just as like uh, real needing to exist as Chase. He's like, Hey, you're not human either, really, because you can't do any human things anymore. And so that leads to the conversation that Chase has with Yaz later in the episode of like, well, I- I'm not real. Like, I'm a cop. It's like it's him beginning to like finally break down because he's like dealing with these thoughts. And now Nemesis is in his head whenever he's in the gem lock saying these ca- same kind of things. 
So like it's it, it adds a little bit of the of the tension if with with these lines of like Nemesis like trying to get into Chase's head in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting and it's an unfortunate it's unfortunate that this is the way it is. But again, I think this is still just a nitpick. I don't think this is like end all. Like this doesn't make the show horrible or anything like oh, that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Do, do you agree, Alex? Like this is still just like an annoying. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just a, sm- a small thing to get a- get around. There's enough good stuff the rest yeah. of the show, yeah. and and Nemesis and Chase is still a uh, where lead- obviously the finale is leading up to some kind of Nemesis thing. So I think that this episode does a good job of reminding us like he's still around and he's still yeah. like messing with Chase's sense of self worth, and so that's something we still need to get through before Chase can become a bettered person. Yeah. So I think we can just um, put it. There was, uh, I guess, sort of related to this, not quite the same thing, but it's another nitpick I noticed. I guess we might as well get this over with now. What after after they landed, but before they met Mark Holcroft, did anyone else think that the uh, the conversations felt a little? Well, off? we can we can get there. We're we're still earlier in the episode, John. Okay. We're we're, we're not okay. there yet. Um. Okay. So the Holon, we're we're still we're still um where uh Cammy realizes that. That's how they're being tracked in the Genlock mm-hmm. thing. So Chase gets out of the mech and they get back in the ship. And we have a second conversation in the ship where we re- where um Chase says Dr. Weller is dead. And this is like the trigger word for Caliban, like in Harry Potter with the snitch. Like it's it's mm. just, he says a phrase Caliban triggers and we get and, and all of a sudden Caliban puts out this message from Dr. Weller, which is kind of emo- pretty emotional about like, you're all great. You're all special. And Caliban now has all the information Dr. Weller had, but he isn't, but he isn't Dr. Weller. He doesn't have the same, I think what Dr. Weller said is the same wit as him. It's, it's, and it's interesting. It's an interesting part for, um, for David Tennant to be playing. I really like it. Um, mm. I think the scene is a little more funny and we lead into them deciding that they're going to go to a specific, the place that Dr. Weller wanted them to go to next and just see if they can figure out a plan once they get there. It was, uh, it, it, this was one of those scenes I thought it was funnier after I had like stopped watching the episode and I really thought about it. It was one of those kind of jokes because like he talks about how he was struggling with the personal touch yet he records this very emotional message uh, about how much he means to them and all that. And I was like, he doesn't even know who his recruits are when he's recording this too. No, he doesn't. That's very Which clear. makes it funnier because it's like, I'm going to be this really emotional to, I don't know who yet. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I thought that was really good. And it was actually really clever. I, I don't know if it's... I, I didn't see that as funny, but I did see it as interesting that he recorded this thing, and it's clear they didn't know who his recruits were when he recorded this message, but he still found a way to be genuine and emotional for them. I, I found that very interesting. Yeah, Beatrice, yeah, that's why I thought it was funny, because like he talks about how he's not good with the personal... Because it was about how he's not good with the personal yeah. stuff. He prefaces that, and he has this great emotional thing to basically nobody. Yeah. Uh, Beatrice, how did you like this scene? Um, I like that. I want to point out something, uh, leading up to the scene, which is when, uh, the mech is being picked up by the, and being dragged into the ship. Yes. It looks like a fetus. Like, in <laughs> kind oh of gosh. a little bit. No, but I mean, and I mean, this is like really cool. I'm like, it's like, yeah, it's like part of like, it adds more like the human, like, I don't know. I just, I'm like, I, I was trying to like criticize it, like do some sort of engagement with it, but now you guys laughed, so I'm not going to say it anymore. I won't say that it isn't that, but I just read it as that's just like the way they fold up. 
I don't know. I just thought it was like a nice visual cue of like, oh, like it kind of looks like if he is going back inside. I don't know. Anyway, um, and I it's like raining the... and it's wet. So. No, I did not that. No, far. it never it rains, Alex. It um, never rains. Um, but I, I liked it. Um, I, I will admit that I kind of will, I will miss the more kind of energetic Weller. Um, like we, 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 we assume that he would be back in some capacity. So we're not, I'm not surprised about the Caliban reveal. Uh, but I, I personally, I will miss the more energetic Weller versus the more monotone Caliban. But I mean, like, he's more of a, we can talk about this later. We can, I, I think this is an argument we're not going to, see each other's side on but um well like, like in in this in this scene like he ends it with the joke of the only disability in life is a bad latitude and then he like says out loud holding for laugh like so, i found like, that really funny i found that I know, it's a different kind of humor yeah, than, it's just than a different the, humor. david Tennant was doing i think both sides are equally valid in terms of their funniness and david I really Tennant like turns on the bat david Tennant does the dad jokes See, but for instance, like that joke didn't land for me. Really? That one I, I didn't find funny. The one I did find funny was when he said, or I could have put in the wrong coordinate. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was probably yeah. that one I was like, oh, God, did you? And then because I don't know if I can trust this robot. So that's why I'm like, sir, like not all the jokes that Caliban had landed for me, but I don't know. I think the coordinates one was probably if it wasn't for the ca- cami line later, that was the funniest line of the episode. Like it was a really good line. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I really like that. But um, yeah. But this also is interesting because all the people in the, the, the ship decide to keep going just because of what Weller said, which is says a lot about how I think directionless all five of these people are. Like they just have nothing and they're just like i guess that's something to go towards now and they just all decide yep that's enough we're going to this secret base artasa i think it's called it's it's the way it's pronounced i mean it's rt asa uh it's 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 interesting to me just how easy it is to convince them but um i I don't know if it's it's i don't think it should have been hard like why would it have been hard i mean it was it was because because just a few minutes ago they were just like completely ready to go to the club and just not do anything yeah but then you have this emotional message from weller and then you have um you have you have like hey now we have a direction now where we have some place yeah. where we can go whereas before we had nothing so i don't know if it's if it's if anything it's like okay their desperation for some sort of direction makes them go even more easily inclined to go there yeah i guess you could read it that way and i i, I see where you're coming from i'm just like <sighs> These, and I don't think it's unbelievable. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. I think I believe this scene. I under, I completely buy it. I'm just saying I think these people are, like I said, I guess, I guess I just read the desperation a little bit different than you, just different tone. But I did read it as desperation as well for something, some direction. And I guess I put a little bit different emotion behind that. But I don't know. It's, I really like this. I like that Dr. Weller's here to always remind us that he's dead. <laughs> So that's nice. Uh, does anyone else have anything to say about this scene before we move on? Um, Yaz tries to grab Chase's oh, hand yes. here, yeah. and so like that's like the first moment hinting before we get to the next scene. So that's yeah. just uh, nice. Also, it, it, it buys into everyone buying into the speech. The fact that like they all feel very emotional while listening to this. Yeah, and Candy, also Candy um, real excited about astronaut ice cream. Oh yes, 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 yes. But also RT, known for important hand holding scenes and shots so <laughs> just putting that out there hand holding here is like third base 
So where? <laughs> wait, wait, which person's holding hands here? Is what you're saying? No, like our like Rooster Teeth is like a really big on hands. Yeah, I know, but who in the scene is holding hands? Yeah, yeah, yes, and Yaz reaches out. To oh, 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 they try to. They try yeah, yeah. to. Okay. Well, she tries to, and then he notices. So it's like, oh, it, it yeah, was a moment. that's third base. I agree. They're 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 together. <laughs> They might as well just. Yet. I mean, it failed. She couldn't hold his hand. So well, yeah, they might as well have just fucked in front of the entire group. Okay, that's <laughs> not what I said. Hol- but sure. Human hull on sex. What would that be like? Um, let's We're... let's go back. Let's Let, go let's back. go to the next scene because here. Let's <laughs> do <laughs> like the best joke of the episode, which oh. is they land. Oh right, the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Beatrice, we're skipping over more. I got excited about Cammy's joke about Star Wars, okay? <laughs> we'll get there. Um, uh, yes, so we get the seat inside the, the, where everyone's sleeping, essentially, and Chase is in his pod, and Gaz and him have, like, a little heart-to-heart here, and it really shows just how close these two are to each other. It, it's really been a background relationship, it's just something that we kind of get hints at all, uh, now and then, but this really feels very personal and close, and, like, this is something they've done before. It's very... I thought the writing here was very good. I really liked this scene a lot. I liked the voice acting, just the tone, just the way that Yaz tries to touch Chase again. It's. I think this scene is very well done. This is a very well-constructed, very tight scene. Yeah, yeah and I, I feel like here is the first time in this show that I finally feel something for Chase. Like, uh, maybe it's something to do with how it's delivered and the fact that it is, it feels like a more intimate relationship, this, than any other relationship we've seen him in so far, including Miranda. So, like, the, the, so all, like, this whole thing of, like, him finally admitting, like, his, his dark, doubts and like yeah is trying to help him out and chase is kind of pushing him away but like all that feels like a lot more emotion than i've gotten out of him so far in the show so i think that this is definitely a, a big step to making it chase uh, you know making him sympathetic for our final moments here the, the, this moment with yeah I, I think what it really shows is that he's very open with people he's familiar with he's more open with Yaz because he's been around Yaz for a while but he's not open it's open with Cammy and Kazu and Val. But mm-hmm. and and I think that's more what this is showing. And he used to be that open with Miranda, but Miranda's dead slash gone and he's been away from her for a while. And I think that's what I got from this scene most of all. Like that he's just he is emotional, it's just we haven't seen him with the right combination of characters yet. Yeah. Which is you know, and adds more we it does get into the identity stuff, which is we don't know how this chase actually truly feels about the people of his past life like is there an emotional connection there or is it superficial and are the connections he's made since he's become chase and he's been turned on i guess um are those more meaningful to him and i just for me what struck me about this whole thing was also the body language that yaz showed just you know her like leaning against the 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 his like his his hall on i guess like the the bed and like, just, you know, there was just this, just based on the body language, it's just, she's used to talking to him like that. And she's used to like, ex- she expects him to sit down like next to it and joining her. So it's just, um, I agree. It's, it, it does, but it also adds this layer of, is he also like, is he mourning the people he's lost? The, like, does he mourn Miranda or is this, he's expected to mourn her and, up to this point, the reasons his his interactions with Miranda seem so forced is because he's forcing himself to feel them because he's like, this is who I was, right? You know what I mean? So it's- I think there's some amount of that probably going through his head right now of 
is the are these feelings mine or are they chases and i'm not chase and it's such and i and it just i love this theme because they're doing it so well mm. it's it's it would be very easy to phone this whole thing in but they're doing so much with it and it's so consistent with everybody else like they're just coming at this one idea from so many directions and it's do, been done so well i am stunned really and it and it and it gets you going too, because like we could you could spend like hours and hours just like dissecting and pulling it apart, and yeah. that really, really makes it just such a real fascinating concept and a real fascinating show to begin with. Yeah, and Yaz even comments like uh, that maybe they deleted memories of the other chase. Like they they're bringing up stuff we've been talking about in the in this in this podcast where we're like maybe they delete maybe they messed with the other chase's head so it's not even you anymore, like it's somebody else. And, but then there's a question of, is that still Chase? Like, from a philosophical standpoint, from us talking about it, like, maybe that is still Chase, even if they took out some of his memories. It's, it's really interesting. And I hope we dive into it next episode, but it feels like next episode's just gonna be a fight scene. It really feels that way right now. Um, did anyone else want to talk about this, uh, heart to heart that we have here before we move on to, I think, the more light part of the episode? Okay. So let, let's let's keep going. <laughs> let's keep going. So we get to Artasa and Beatriz. What is the joke you want to tell us? So Cammy, as she steps down from the ship, goes, "I've got a bad feeling about this." And then Chase goes, "Don't even like, just don't, just yes." Don't. And it's like the greatest thing because that's like if there if if there's one line in Star Wars that anyone should like one of like the key lines, the one that's repeated all the time. Even, I feel like even more so than may the force be with you is I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. <laughs> is that uh, specifically a Star Wars line though? Yes. I mean, it's famously from Star yeah, Wars. You, but, it's uh, like mentioned in every movie. It's the, I got a bad feeling. If you type, I've got a bad feeling like about this in Google, the first like, Ten results are Star Wars. Yeah. But the, the 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 part that sells it is Chase immediately shutting it down. Like, like no, like, no, like we're he not recognizes doing this. it and like stops her immediately. Yeah. Uh, oh, what do you know? It is. Yeah. If if the part I, I agree with you, Alex. The part that sells it is is Chase. Like he's just like we're not doing this. You're not leaving <laughs> on me. <laughs> uh, it was really good, and we get to see Henry Wu again. Uh, he steps out and he. And he's yeah. and he saves our uh, heroes from getting shot, which is good because he just wants to see their toys. Cammy, <laughs> uh, what are you doing here, Henry? Science. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. There's so, a pretty good well, joke. Henry has a lot of good lines in this in yeah. this back half of the episode. I think he's great. He is really great. I really like him. Um, and then we meet um Dr. Weller's ex-wife, Fatima Ja. Yeah, Fatima Ja. Yeah. Dr. Ja. Uh, voiced by, oh god, I'm gonna say, I hope I can say this name right. Anisha Nagarahan? No, close enough. Yeah. I apologize if I butchered that, but, uh, she hasn't done a ton. She was in, outsourced in a musical called Bombay Dreams, but this is, she hasn't done a ton, but, um, she does good here. She plays Dr. Weller's ex-wife, and, um, we break the news to her, and this leads us directly into the conversation with Mark Hallcraft, Croft, I mean. Um, yeah, I- I mean, yeah. I will say the that, and I think John mentioned it. The 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 dialogue was a little like off for yeah. me. This is a scene where it was slightly off. Like she sells it, yeah. Mm. But I feel like them, they weren't even like the awkwardness wasn't working. And I was like, like I was like clearly like, okay, guys, this is his wife, obviously. And yeah. then everyone was like, 
not. I don't know. It was just it. it I, this was. I think this is the weakest voice acting delivery. I. I, I yeah, I, I was actually more going for like the whole thing where it seemed like when they were talking to um when when the characters were interacting with each other, it was like the it's one of those things like I've heard I heard a little bit in uh, this season of Ruby as well, just like the way some of the, the way they start their some of their words. It's not the lines itself. It's the way they're saying them. It's like for some reason, the inflection in certain points is just like slightly off, like compared to like how a normal conversation would go. That was what was striking me i was like uh, it's like you can't put your finger on it but something but you listen and you're just like huh hmm yeah I, I don't really get what you guys are talking about but i'll just say like if if you sense awkwardness here then uh, i didn't sense it but if you sense it that you could sort of explain like hey they have to tell this person that a person she, she worked with died like that's kind of a tough yeah tough I, position to be in but like i didn't sense it i just thought it was like no, normal conversations so. i just felt like the dialogue was a little stilted and not from her end because her voice delivery her line delivery was good i just felt it was stilted from their yeah. end, from the, uh, from the group's end. I'm, and I was, I'm like, I was more going for how the delivery was done, not by her, because I thought she was good, but more like the conversation with Henry and the crew. I thought that was a little, something was a little I, off there. I'm just with Alex here. I did not feel like it was that stilted. If it was, like, if it was stilted, I it was so minor that I didn't notice, because the scene moves, it, this scene moves pretty fast, and we're out of here pretty quick. Like, it's not like a very extended scene. It's maybe like a minute long where we talk to this woman. But um also like isn't Chase the only one doing the talking here? I think so. Yeah, so, like yeah. Ch- Chase always speaks awkwardly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just I felt I felt the actual dialogue written was stilted. It, I was like, "Ooh, like I wouldn't have worded it this way." Like, okay. I cuz cuz the thing is Beatrice, I did not see this woman as I thought she might just be a friend. Like, I did not go like, oh, she's definitely his ex-wife or anything. Oh, like that. I thought it was obvious. Yeah, Maybe it's because I, I, I felt like the scene was too long. I was like, they should have, they, they were dragging out this, like, reveal for, like, Oh, I did bit. not. And I was like, mm, no, this is, I, I thought it was obvious, but. I, I, like, I, I, I wasn't, like, super shocked that it was his ex-wife. Like, I thought that was a possibility, but I wasn't like, oh, this is definitely his ex-wife. Like, I thought, like, it was, like, a friend or a girlfriend Well, or well no, notably at the beginning, when they land, the the um, the, the robot, Calavan, says something like, uh, I've had colder re- receptions, my ex-wife. Yeah, no, so, no, no, like, no, no, no. They, they open with it as a joke, so, like, when it comes to that, like, her actually being the ex-wife, at least to me, I got to take a little back, and it was like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he was joking. Like, I didn't think he actually had an ex-wife. Like, I didn't think that was... Oh, oh I did. I was like, oh, like, when he's... I, okay. Maybe, I don't know. I was... I, maybe I was just, like, very keen on what he was saying, maybe. and I was like, oh, he probably had a family or whatever. But, but I really like... Speaking of that Caliban joke, I like that joke, too, especially because of Chase. Chase is really good at, like, being the, the punchline giver. Like, he's just like, maybe it's better if you stay on mute. Like, I really <laughs> like those lines from Chase. They're really good. Like, he just knows that his whole group is just, like, Kite, Cammy, Caliban, and stuff are just, like, really crazy. They just need to be kind of kept in check sometimes. No, and also, like, if he, if he slings those hot jokes in the, in the science center, like, somebody's gonna notice that, that Weller branded humor, so. Yeah, I know. Like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. But, um, after this, we get a scene with totally not villain Mark Holcroft. Totally mm. not a villain. Totally not. Totally not a villain. Maybe oh. not actually a villain. Maybe, but I really was feeling villain here. 
he's the queen whatever I want to be of this universe. Yeah. He 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 gives a villain monologue about introducing all our characters to him, like giving us backstory on everybody, and then pretty much points them in the direction of a fight to go kill somebody. It feels very villainish. Yeah. Um, now I'll I'll say you could. Uh, it's also this show has I think has done a good job at not diving deeply into tropes like that. So like I I at this point I have a little faith in them that they're not going for obvious villain here. But like I I wonder if it's also like a, a similar situation to to Weller where he's like I'm doing this for the right re the the technology for the right reasons. But I gotta hide stuff from you so you, you don't get freaked yeah. out when we get to certain steps in the process, sort of thing. It might be, but I think the struggle here is still we don't know what the union wants, so we don't know who right. could possibly be with them. That's the problem. We have no motivations for the union at all. And yeah, yeah but that's I don't know if we can take the whole end of the podcast just to talk about that because I'm still frustrated <laughs> about that. Uh, did, did anyone have anything else to say about this boardroom scene with them with the CEO? I don't think there's a lot to dig into here. It's just well, there's a couple of like new bits of information about the our actual Genlock crew here. Yeah, right? nothing yeah. too big though. Like Kazu is he essentially flunked out of a thing to get into a military group? Was that it? Something like that? And he's totally uh-huh. fine with that. And, and yeah. he or he says he's totally fine about it, but yeah. we can probably read into it more than that. And uh, yet Yaz uh, outing her parents as yes. intellectuals to the union, and then Val puts her ha- uh, their hand on her shoulders, like in support. Like that was a cute moment. I really well, like the way Yaz kind of looked over, kind of like aggressively, but then became kind of lighter as she realized it was just Val. I, I did. So I did actually like that uh, that little bit of addition because it does give us at least something about the un- about sort of what the union is. It's kind of like a it's a dictatorship essentially, where we need more. if you're yeah, we do need more. I'm like, is the union part of, is like, it started in America? Where is the union? Yeah, like, what, what is it? it? No, we, we do need more, but at least it's more than what we had before we went. Well, it, we're it's going more out. about, yes, like the, that idea of like her accidentally sending her parents off to a dictatorship or is a bad thing. Did, she, did, did they say it was accidentally? Uh, I don't remember if they used that word. I think they, they, they said on purpose. I thought they said. I th- because I feel like that was it. Maybe it was like. Like maybe, she regretted it. That's why she regretted yeah. it. Yeah. It's like maybe she was part of a resistance group and she was maybe part a union ally and then that happened and then everything changed. So, I mean, it's it, it, more to dig, more reason why we need a Yaz episode. Mm-hmm. Also, more parallels between her and Blake. Like, my goodness. Like, oh, she, like because yeah. her parents maybe not weren't intellectuals, but against the whole, like, they went against the white thing, they left it. So it's like maybe they were there, but then they were, like, kicked out of it. So I don't know. In training, day, in training days, she was the one wearing the Blake getup, right? Yes. Yes. I think so. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the other thing, well, other thing about Val being, uh, Russian and heading towards Ukraine for societal pressure. Yeah. That, it's like, I, when you realize Val is, well, who she is, uh, that could be a, that could go so many different ways too. Cause it's like, okay, so she, it could be, you know, pressure cause she's gender fluid or is it pressure because, you know, Russia is less, li- was less liberal than Ukraine. It, it's hard to look at that and sort of divorce it from what modern, what, what modern real world politics is like though too but it's like yeah that's a little oh i wonder i wonder what that like we wonder what was that all about i I I think it's it's refreshing i'm like thank you for actually like being upfront about it and because i guess rooster teeth is like it's an independent studio so it doesn't have to fall into these yeah they don't have have like politeness politics for the sake of worldwide releases i mean like recently bohemian rhapsody had to cut out 
it's not a lot, but I have to cut out all its LGBT material from it to even air in China. And like, Rooster Teeth doesn't have to do that. And in this- uh, keeping with animated films, like part of the reason why everyone's like, oh, like there's no way that they're going to give Elsa a girlfriend because this has to air in Russia and China and international markets. It's like, no, here they're, they are blatantly calling out. They're like, no, this, this is, this is what's happening. They're, they're, they are strict. They are really calling out Russia here. Like this is exactly what this is. It's not like a big, like they said it in bold letters, but that's what they're doing. They're saying Russia doesn't like people like this and they don't. Could, does that mean they're also calling out Iran for the whole killing intellectuals bit? I mean, I think that's a little more unclear. I mean, that you can see everywhere there. That's not just Iran. That's like, I mean, in Venezuela, people are being. Well, well I mentioned Iran because Yaz is Iranian. But I mean, like this is this was clearly about the, um, sorry, the union. Like th- that was clearly about yeah, the union. Yeah, like that's I don't, I don't, I don't want to extrapolate. This is this is specifically Russia. Yeah, I don't want to extrapolate to talk about other countries. Politically, let's just keep it to Russia because that's the one that's clearly stated here that Russia did something, and uh, mm. and I think that one is stated very clearly that they do not like uh, LGBT the LGBT community. I'll say that lightly enough, um, and that reflects the way they are in the real world. And so, and like Beatrice said, they probably cannot do that except for the fact that they air online. They do not have to deal with like NBC or anything like that. Like they just air their shows and and. And That's plus, it. if there's Rooster Teeth fans in Russia, they've probably built their proxies and VPNs already, so they're good. I guess. I, I don't know if good's <laughs> the right way to put it, but they're, they, they, uh, they have a way of viewing it. Um, which, but it's interesting. It's interesting that they can do stuff like this. I don't think we're gonna get a ton of this. I don't think there's, they should do this a ton, because I'd rather not well, have Well, because we still need to find out what the union is. Yes, yeah. Yeah, if we want to get into the geopolitics, like a stick let's stick to this world. Yeah, let's let's get let's get through this world's geopolitics before we start making uh political statements about the uh real world. The Russians. Just because we don't have time for it in this show right now. Um not that I don't appreciate calling out Russia for, for the way it is. Um I I I but other than that, like this seems pretty just like not a ton happens. We just point our heroes in the direction of the villain, which we know is going to happen because there's a finale coming up. Uh, and uh, we also get in the scene a mention of Cammy talking about CAD files, which is awesome because those are a real program in the real world. And she talks about having CAD files for everybody's suit of armor, like not just hers. And this surprised me. I didn't realize that Cammy was making suits for everybody. I thought she was just making a suit for herself. Did 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 was anyone else surprised by that? Not really. I oh, thought I, fig- I figured she was gonna make stuff for herself. Well, I mean, like she made stuff for herself, but she also designed everybody else's too. Hmm. Uh, actually, on that point, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit there. When she said she had all the CAD designs, and then um, Weller's ex-wife, sorry, I forgot her name, but uh, ja, Dr. She, ja. she, she had said a line. Uh, tell me if you guys thought this was weird. She said, "You have cads. Yes, send them over." It almost sounded like she the the, the word "yes" was meant to be Cammy's line, and she accidentally said it. I did not feel that at all. I didn't catch that. I, just, I did feel that was a little stilted delivery, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, we're getting a little too nitpicky. I don't think we need to get yeah, into yeah. this this deep because right. I think. I, I I think we don't need to be this negative about it. I, I, think... I, I was yeah I was a bit surprised that Cammy had all the CAD designs though ready to go just in case. Oh I, like... I'm not surprised she had them on on hand. I'm surprised she had them for everybody. I thought she just had her own. Well but... look, she is the true team leader taking initiative to That's, like make like everybody episode, feel though. cool. It feels like Cammy's like taking the lead. Hmm. But a but bit, they do yeah. they do call out Chase as the leader later though. Um. 
But yeah, I think this, 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 then we get to actually see the new robots, which are, I think they're kind of, I don't like this that we know what these robots were going to look like from the opening. I think that was a mistake that we knew what these were going to look like already. We've seen them in action every single week in the theme song. Yeah. Which I think is whatever. But I do think that the best line of the episode is here. I, I think this is the best one. When, when they're all pointing at Cammy's robot and said, Cammy, what'd you do to your robot? And she goes, it me. And I think that's like the cutest thing ever. And I loved it so much because Cammy is so precious and we need to keep protecting her. I just need to say that every few minutes in this podcast. Uh, run, the, the runner up line for me is when, when Kazu says 10 year old me is really happy right now. Oh, yeah. I may, I may or may not have screen capped that. He is. He was really cute too. Just how excited he was about the giant robot. Like, Robo Shogun. Yeah, I was, I was worried that he'd be like, wow, that's racist. Cause like he was, he was upset about, he was upset about Cammy be like, do you read manga? And he's like, no, not since I was a kid. And I thought he'd be upset about it, but he's just so excited for his stupid samurai robot. I love it so much. Um, um, also in this scene, we see that, um, uh, Chase has changed his outfits yes. in accordance with his new, uh, new robot. So like, uh, and I think there's some mention about like, Hey, it's been four years. It was time to change. So like, I think this is another thing of him slowly coming to grips with his, uh, with his new, new self. Uh, yeah, it also says like, you look good. So like, uh, maybe that's the most romance tinged part of this entire yeah. relationship. Just like the most romantic part. Yeah, so the, yeah, so ending on a on a nice cute note for everybody, really. Yeah, and I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I I don't know if there's anything. Uh, I think this scene also made me realize that we still have that extra Holon back at the Anvil, that the <laughs> Union have, because we have that we had those six, remember? Right. Yeah. So there's one more sitting there in uh the Anvil that the Union definitely has now, which is an interesting wrinkle that I hadn't thought about till right this moment when we in the episode. But, um, yeah, is there anything else anyone wants to say? Any final thoughts before we, um, wrap this up? Beatrice, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I'm just excited that the final fight scene is going to happen in Miami. I'm just so thrilled what? that we've established this and that it's going to make an appearance in the finale. I'm just so happy. Now, qu- question, Beatrice, in question to that, where is this center exactly? Because as far as I can tell, it looks like a very desert background. So like, it's probably how- somewhere in Nevada, but we both know that it's all gonna set- take place in in Miami. We all know this. It's- all right, uh, moving on. Uh, Beatrice is wrong. Uh, Alex, what are your final thoughts? I feel like the distance is just too much there, but um, uh, I I, I still defend that this is a, a great episode of Genlock, maybe one of the best, just because I, I think that we've gotten a lot deep into the relationships of them, and um, maybe maybe I can be swayed to like believing that the third act maybe doesn't work as well as I initially thought it would, but like uh, I, I still think that we're setting this is a, one of the better this is probably the best way you could set up a finale like uh, if you want to do the cool down approach as opposed to the ramp up approach so uh, i i really enjoyed this and i am both uh excited and anxious and a little scared but kind of hyped for the finale extravaganza because uh, i don't know i i like i like this the um, rhythm of Genlock, but I, I, I've been continually impressed by it, and so I will likely again be impressed by it next week. Yes, that's great. Uh, John, any final thoughts? Um, 
I think my only final thought is I want a Robo Shogun. How do I get one? Uh, I can't help you there. Hopefully, no. there's some action figures on Rooster Teeth website. I'm also assuming. I think will I, I think I may have come up with the cha- with the Chase Yaz uh, ship name, Quidditch. Because but, she's golden, like the golden snitch, and his call name is Chaser, so... Oh, I like that. I, <laughs> I think that's too far of a stretch. I don't think anyone... I don't I don't like ship names you have to explain. How about, yeah. go, how about Golden Snitch, then? I'm trying here. I know you're trying, and I think you're close, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Anyway... Viewer, viewers, put your ideas in the comments below. Yeah. Uh, John, any other thoughts, though? No, that's it. Okay. Um, well, this was fun. Uh, this episode is great. I agree with Alex. I do think this episode's very good. I think there's a couple of things we had a couple nitpicks about, but again, they're nitpicks. We're not, like, saying this episode was bad or anything. But anyways, you can find out all this info at, uh, on the podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can join us on Discord to text chat about animation at OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord. And you can support us via Patreon at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Sagatores, who does not have a nickname yet. Well, we can think about that later. Anyways, um, <laughs> and thanks as always to our patron executive producers, John Ryan, Steve, Alex, and Hugh. Uh, is there anything else coming up, guys? Anything you guys got going on? Um, well, recently I dropped a Shira mythology podcast, which is a lot of fun. If you're a fan of Shira, then you should listen into it. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. I saw that pop up. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I definitely will when I get the chance. Um, yeah, we also just recorded a D&D podcast for Ruby, and if you guys, which I think that lines up with you guys here listening to Genlock. If you want to listen to that, we'll be posting that hopefully soon. Uh, hopefully that'll be up around the, a little bit after this one's up, but it's a little bit longer, so it might take a little longer to edit. But yeah, anyways, guys, it was great for you guys to be here. It was fun talking to you guys about stuff. Can't wait for the finale next week. Oh, before we leave, Death Watch. Is anybody going to die? Beatrice, uh, is anyone uh. going to die? Oh, man. I mean, people have already died. Um, yes. uh, None of the main cast. Okay. I don't think. Uh, Alex, anybody going to die? Um, Let's say Henry, even though I'd be sad about it. But like, Henry he seems like a good pick. Yeah, he seems like the kind where like you'd feel something for him dying, but like he's he hasn't been in long enough to be essential to yeah. the show. So like I think that he's a prime target, and I'm gonna be kind of salty about it when it happens. Uh, John, anyone dying? Our collective perception of Rooster Teeth being a no, being not as good of an animation studio. That yeah. died like five weeks ago. Yeah, yeah that, that died, died a long like, time. Ago. Long, long <laughs> time. Um, that died with Ruby Volume Six. Yeah, yeah oh really yeah, did. it did. Um. I think that uh, it's a possibility that someone from the Anvil shows up again and then immediately dies. But that's that's possible, it. yeah. Uh, that shows that they didn't kill her. Like, Miranda, they kept alive and then they kill her or something. Uh, but I don't know. It's also interesting that Dakota Fanning has not had a huge role in this show, despite being, like, the second name in the show, uh, in the credits. But that's mm. neither here nor there. Anyways, well, guys. Well, that's what, she had the first episode, and now she'll have the last episode. The last Maybe. episode will be full of Miranda. We'll Ooh. see. We still have a chance to see. Anyways, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Adios. Take care. Plums and cherries, OTP.